if you see somebody or team members who are not listening to you, the first impulse oftentimes is that what is wrong with these people? But I think instead, we as leaders need to look inward and say, well, why are these people not listening to me? I'm Michael Mogul, founder and CEO of Crisp, the nation's number one law firm growth company. I've built my business through practice, not theory. Crisp started with just $500 to my name and has grown to over eight figures in revenue over the last few years, earning a spot on the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies in America. Our approach has been to take everything we've learned about generating massive growth within our own organization and help the country's most ambitious and committed law firm owners do the same for theirs. In each episode of this podcast, I sit down with innovative market leaders from the legal industry and beyond to learn from those who thrive in the face of adversity, challenge the status quo, and define what it means to be a true game changer. This is Jessica, head of coaching strategy at Crisp, and today we're flipping the script for another special edition episode to get Michael's take on why big risk lead to even bigger rewards, why the first step to making progress is telling yourself the truth, and how to transform low achievers into superstars in your organization. It may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility. And leadership is intentional influence. And if you can't intentionally influence your team members, and if you can't help them grow, then you have to grow and develop as a leader. That's coming up on the Game Changing Attorney Podcast. All right, all right, Michael, we are here for another AMMA. Here we are. I'm excited. I love doing these because I never know what the questions are. And for those of you that are tuning in for the very first time, which welcome, first and foremost, but we do three different types of episodes on this podcast. So we've got our traditional interview podcast. Those are like most podcasts you listen to, but we bring on guests from the legal industry and beyond, whether it's elite athletes, best-selling authors, phenomenal trial attorneys, and we pick their brains, dissect all their knowledge and information and provide that to you in a podcast format. So that's one type of episode. Then we've got our Encore Editions, which have been some of our most popular episodes over the last three years. And then finally, you are listening to it, the AMMA, Ask Michael Mogul Anything. You guys submit the questions. Typically, you text us at 404-531-7691 with your questions. And then we've been getting so many that now we've been starting to bundle these in a way so that there's similar questions. We'll do an episode on them. I never know what the questions are going to be. It's probably a good thing. There's only one ask. The podcast is free. We don't run any ads. We don't have any sponsors. All that I ask is that if you get any sort of value whatsoever from this podcast, that you go and leave a five-star review, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And if it is valuable to you that you share the podcast, this helps us reach more people. So with that, Jessica, let's get into it. All right. So yes, the bundling begins with all of these questions. So this theme this week, we're really going to talk about decision making. So I know we've done a little bit on this topic before, but it's going to be kind of a different angle. So first question coming up, Michael, some lawyers on my team leap at tough cases while others always play it safe. Does risk taking and risk tolerance factor into this achievement? Maybe. Yes. No. Here's the thing. People are different. And we talk about this from the standpoint that some are going to be more risk tolerant than others. You're likely to see that those who are entrepreneurs and start businesses are much more risk tolerant because they are going off on their own and they're betting on themselves. And they're saying that I will forego any safety net, any level of security in terms of working for anybody else. I'm going to then challenge the market on my own and bet on my own decision making. Right. That requires a degree of risk tolerance. Now, in terms of those, let's say, trial attorneys that leap for more difficult cases versus perhaps those who do not, again, it really depends. I find that generally there's going to be people that want to win big while others want to lose small. 
And you find that those that are risk tolerant are much more likely to leap at perhaps more challenging, larger opportunities. And when they succeed, they look like heroes. Unfortunately, there's the other side of this where the sub-segment that people often don't talk about it is the ones that tend to be more risk tolerant and place bigger bets are also the ones that are more likely to lose and lose their ass entirely. So there are merits to both. At the same time, you could argue on the other side of the equation, those that don't ever make that attempt, that don't ever make that leap, that don't take on challenging and tough cases, that don't take on very difficult and large ambitious problems, never have the opportunity to make the climb. Right. So they play defense as opposed to offense, trying to minimize risk and saying that I will try to only bet on things where I can have extremely high outcomes of succeeding or guaranteed outcomes of succeeding and thereby limit all of their upside. So meaning that if you're one of these people that you have this fear of loss, of being wrong, of making mistakes, of trying something and failing, of looking stupid, any of that. Well, you're not going to make a whole lot of progress. You're probably going to stay in place. You're not going to grow. You're not going to develop. And you're probably not going to make a huge impact. At the same time, if you're one of these YOLO, like you only live once type people where you're saying, let's go, let's bet the farm, you could either get lucky and somehow succeed through that, or you may very well end up completely broken, everything crumbles and you lose everything. I think it's about finding a middle ground there where I find that the best balance is you want to be challenging yourself. You want to be able to say yes to new opportunities and perhaps approach things that you may have uncertainty around of saying, well, I don't know how I'm going to approach this, but one, I can appreciate the upside. It can have a meaningful impact, but at the same time, the downside is not so high that if I were to lose or if things were to go wrong, I lose everything. I mean, you don't want to bet your entire law firm and your business on any single decision. I mean, that would just be very poor decision-making, especially if you have people who rely on you that you support. It's finding that balance of challenging yourself. And as you do this, I think you can build a level of perhaps confidence in yourself as you're developing your skills and capabilities and taking on more and more challenging opportunities. But there's this concept, it's called progressive overload. This is how I look at things. If we're talking about let's say health and fitness in the gym, let's say you go in the gym for the very first time, you've never exercised before and you say, I'm going to go lift 500 pounds. You would probably rip your arms off, right? Because you've never done that before. So you don't start at 500 pounds. You may start with just the bar, which is 45 pounds. And then as you come in, each time you work your way up and you're challenging yourself and you're building those skills and you're building those capabilities to where you then get to the point where one day you can lift 500 pounds. So I think the lesson here is that with progressive overload, you're challenging yourself in a level that is not so challenging that you're just completely unable to do it, but it's not so easy that you're not excited or you're disengaged or it's just something you already know how to do and it's a sure thing because otherwise you're not going to grow. I would encourage you when you're working with your team and speaking with your team to encourage them to challenge themselves. Sometimes you can do something that's difficult to quantify. Let's say it's like 10% more difficult than anything they've done, but not so difficult that they're completely out of their depth, right? And I think when someone hones those skills and develops those capabilities, they start to build more confidence and that sets them up to be able to take on even more challenging endeavors. So that's my thought on it. You're going to have different personality types. You're going to have people that are going to be much more risk tolerant than others. But the focus really should be on, are they growing? Are they developing? Are they better than they were a year ago? Are they honing their skills? Are they providing more value? Are they making a greater impact? And at the end of the day, some are going to grow and develop and others won't. All right. Love it. Awesome. So on the same note of team members and this one talks a little more about frustration. So, Michael, I get frustrated with some of my team members who keep making the same poor decisions. It's like they're stuck in a loop, ignoring past mistakes. How do you break the cycle? Well, if you run into somebody who seems like they're just making bad decisions and continue to make mistakes and they continue to do that again and again and again and again, it's easy, number one, to judge somebody. But if you're, let's say, in a position of leadership where you have a team and you want to help to coach them and develop them and mentor them and you see them consistently repeating the same errors, you ultimately want to coach this person and break them out of the loop. But you have to start by understanding why somebody even finds themselves in that loop themselves. 
Number one, are they aware that they're even making the same mistakes over and over again? Because most people operate in a state of autopilot. They are NPCs, right? Non-playable characters. They just drift through life. They wake up, they do the thing, they punch the clock, they ride down the back of the brontosaurus. It's like every day is the same. It's on a loop. And if you were to ask them, why do you do what you do? Why do you think what you think? They really don't have a good answer. That's just the harsh truth. And that's the reality. Okay. They consume the same things. They do the same things. They live for the same weekends. And when things are not going their way, they don't see, they don't reflect on the momentum and the direction in which they're going. Right. So meaning that you may not see in that moment that I'm making a mistake and it's not until you reflect and evaluate over the past, let's say, a quarter or six months or year that you see, okay, well, these decisions have compounded in a way that's had a negative impact in my life as opposed to a positive impact, but you don't realize it on a day-to-day basis. It's like, for example, eating a cookie every day. I mean, you don't really feel the negative impact of that, but if you do it every single day over a period of time, over the course of a year, then you may start to see a greater impact in terms of your health. That's one. Many people prefer the certainty of misery over the misery of uncertainty. It offers a degree of comfort because at least they know they're hard. So meaning that they may not say love their situation, but they know their situation and there's uncertainty tied to making different decisions and going down a path that perhaps they haven't gone down before because it's like my situation may be terrible today, but I know it and I have comfort in it. We can get used to just about anything. So if the question is, well, how do you get somebody out of that loop? It starts with number one. With any progress, it starts by telling yourself the truth. And you can't really get anyone to do anything, at least in my opinion. I think you can maybe short term, but that's manipulation. Long term, at the end of the day, I think people have to come to their own conclusions and make their own decisions over what they feel is best in their life. You can help guide somebody in the right direction. You can encourage them to reflect on their decisions. Like, so for example, if they made a mistake, let's say it's something to do in the business, in the law firm, you can sit down with them and have them think through and outline their decision-making process of what led to that decision. And they can start to reflect on, okay, so here was the outcome, but what led to that outcome? And what decisions did I make that created this type of situation? What could I do differently next time? You really start to dissect the situation, maybe make it more objective than subjective. And then they can look at it and say, well, I could have made different moves here. I could have made different decisions or different choices. And now they have a way of actually reflecting on that situation. The other way is is data. Data is objective. Data doesn't lie. It is unemotional. And you can have somebody, let's say you're tracking metrics and KPIs and they're falling short over a certain period of time in terms of their performance at the firm. So when you look at KPIs, which are key performance indicators, you can show them, here's how you were doing when you started. Here's what's going on the past quarter. Here's what's going on the past month. And you can show that trajectory is not trending in a positive direction. And it could give somebody an honest reflection of their objective performance. So you can guide someone. It's like, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but at the end of the day, it's going to be on them to make different choices and different decisions. And I think that's only going to happen, number one, if they can reflect on the reality of a situation and see that what they're doing is perhaps not conducive to the goals they want to achieve, because you have to actually connect the dots. It's like if they have certain goals or they have certain things that they want to achieve personally or even professionally, you could show them that whether what they're doing and the choices they're making, if that's actually helping to guide them and where they want to go or if they're moving in the opposite direction. Because the thing about decisions is what makes a good decision versus what makes a bad decision. And it's all in the context of what you're trying to achieve. Depending on your goal, if you don't have a clear goal or clear set target in mind, then you really don't have a frame of reference of whether your choices are moving you closer to that or further away. So it makes decisions much more difficult. So for example, if someone's goal is to get healthy, then they could say, well, me drinking every night is probably going to be a bad decision, right? But if they don't have that goal, then that decision is going to be quantified a little bit differently. So maybe their goal is to become more social and the environments they find themselves in, their friends, they're also drinking. So them drinking every night allows them to be more social, right? And you could argue in that type of situation that they could see their decision making as positive. So it really depends on what their goals are and aligning that with whether those decisions are moving them closer or further away. And then perhaps giving them the space, but also the support that you're there for them and you want to help them succeed. 
But ultimately, if you're dealing with adults, they're going to make their own decisions and they're going to make their own choices. And like I said, you can guide someone, you can provide them with awareness, and you can provide an environment that is fair, that allows them to adjust their decision-making, perhaps make good decisions, but you can't make their decisions for them. And ultimately, if that decision-making doesn't improve, your options are to either tolerate it or ultimately not have that person in your law firm if it's going to create a negative impact on the people around them or your clients and the ultimate competitiveness of the law firm. Yeah. And tolerating it is actually endorsing it to everyone around. That's right. All right. So last one here. You have talked about the importance of providing feedback, and I've tried my best to provide my team members with guidance, but some just don't listen to me. Is this common or is taking critical feedback just innate to some and not to others? Yeah. So this is interesting. So I think a lot of times as leaders, if we're providing feedback and for the sake of this question, let's assume that that feedback is constructive, right? So the goal is you want to help somebody correct certain behavior or certain decisions that they're doing and you want to guide down the right path. If you see somebody or a team members who are not listening to you, the first impulse oftentimes is that what is wrong with these people? But I think instead we as leaders need to look inward and say, well, why are these people not listening to me? Like, why are they not taking my feedback? And that could be for a number of reasons. Maybe they don't trust you. Maybe they don't believe you have their best interests at heart. Maybe they don't believe you. I think it's first dissecting that, especially if you have team members who do listen to you versus other ones who do not. Maybe there's nothing wrong with them. Maybe there's something that they're cautious to take feedback from you. Maybe they don't believe you. And a lot of it also comes down to like, what type of example are you setting for them? So I wouldn't look inward first as to why they're not listening to you because you as their leader, maybe they don't think you have their best interests at heart and why would they? Have you demonstrated in the past that you do want to help them and you do want to support them? And then again, without any context as to how this feedback is being delivered, maybe they could see it as just pure criticism and maybe they don't see it as a way of you actually being vested in their success and in their growth and development. Maybe you haven't connected the dots for them in terms of how this feedback that you're providing is actually going to help them potentially achieve their goals, professional goals, personal goals. So I would look inwardly at you as the leader and at how you're delivering that feedback and also whether there is trust established, because if there's not, they're not going to listen to anything you say, right? They don't trust you. They don't believe you. If the example that you're setting is not aligned with someone that they respect, then ultimately, I mean, you can't command respect, certainly not in the long term. It is looking at, well, what type of example are you setting for them and why should they listen to you and why should they trust you? And if there are team members who are listening to you, maybe see like what's different with them. Maybe these are people that You've been with the company a long time that have been there through a lot of growth periods that you've developed that trust and confidence in. And that's a reason why, let's say this other batch of people maybe does not have that same level of trust built up because you haven't spent as much time around them. Maybe they just don't know you. So I'd look at it inwardly. At the end of the day, it may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility. And leadership is intentional influence. And if you can't intentionally influence your team members and if you can't help them grow, then you have to grow and develop as a leader. Yeah. And one thing I would say about that, too, is even the delivery of it. And that kind of goes in with looking inward and everything. And it's not saying to change who you are, but just knowing that certain people are going to receive feedback differently, depending on how you deliver it. Absolutely. Know your audience. Yeah, exactly. All right. That's all we got today, Michael. Beautiful. Thank you. You've been listening to the Game Changing Attorney podcast with Michael Mogul. If you found this episode valuable, here are three free ways that we can help you grow your law firm. Number one, download the first chapter of Michael's book absolutely free at gamechangingattorney.com. Number two, you can shoot Michael a text at 404-531-7691 and ask him any question you'd like. You might just hear the answer on the next episode. And finally, number three, if you can leave this podcast a five-star review, it will help us gain access to more influential thought leaders and bring their lessons learned here to you. For more information on this episode, see the show notes in your podcast app or visit legalpodcast.com.